Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to football. Bloody hell! And guess what? We've got we've got four of the more or less originals. Because Hilda's here. Hello, Hilda. Hello, mate. How are you? Oh, I'm absolutely fine. I think you could possibly say I'm on top of the world. Um, and Rick's yeah. here. And Rick's Maybe on. We'll come to that. Rick's we'll on top to of the world, aren't you, Rick? Yeah. There you go. See. Just got to say it, and he's there. And uh, and of course, Thorpey's here, aren't you? Good evening, Eddie, and uh, good evening to all the listeners. I hope you're all well, and looking forward to, to returning to football. Yeah, exactly. Isn't it great to have Bloody it back, though, eh? Isn't it great to have it back? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. But Hilda's going to control things tonight, so over to you, Hilda, darling. Yeah, I can tell it from here it's great to have football back as you suggest but even though you're handing it over to me aid unfortunately i i can only start in one place can't i really and um and that's tottenham hotspur beating manchester city by a goal to nil yesterday who saw that one coming <laughs> all the talk was about harry kane and it was all about son again thorpey i'll go to you first um, oh dear all me again on all seriousness in all, <laughs> Obviously, in all the top game of the about. weekend. Absolutely it was. What did you make of it? I, I thought it was a great game of football. I thought the football was absolutely fantastic on the weekend. It was fantastic to see um, the fans back. It was um, the excitement, the, the noise levels were exceptional. And I thought there was some fantastic football um, and, and attacking football uh, played on the weekend by by you know all the clubs really, even the clubs that didn't do particularly well. I thought that their positive attitude was good, and I have to say, I thought the refereeing and the VAR, apart from one incident, was absolutely nails on. I feel, feel that they've listened to what's happened in the uh, European Championships. And I think it came along as being an amazing weekend for football, not just because the fans are returning, but I think the mentality of the players um, and the football clubs was exceptional. And it just goes to show that, that we have got still the best football league in the world. Well, what a start. I mean, I can't really argue with that one. Uh, Rick, you got anything to add to those sentiments on the first weekend of the season? Uh, no, I think we ought to draw a line under the season now. I think we've all had enough. I think that's lovely. Keep the league <laughs> table as it is. We don't want to spoil it. And that'll do. Just finish it now. It's done. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thorpe's got his hand in the air, Thorpe. Oh, dear me. If it, right, that's the last we've heard of that idiot, isn't it? Right? <laughs> 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 Not that biased, you know. What? Oh dear me! But I, got to, I have to say, I have to say, Rick, I do think that they played magnificent. But I think again, you know, it's the same old thing. It's like your sex life—you've peaked too early again, son. Plenty of time to get your breath back. <laughs> We're keeping it clean here on Three Valleys Radio. We'll, we'll come to. We'll come to. That was a poor choice of words from me then as well, wasn't exactly. it? I was going to say, we'll come to Man United in a, in a bit. But I do want to touch on the 
Tottenham Manchester City match because all the talk this summer has been about Harry Kane. Obviously, the talk has been about Jack Grealish as well. That deal was done. Um, Ad, I'm going to come to you. Did you did you watch the game? Were you surprised at how? Um, galvanised Spurs were the fact that they didn't have Kane and all the talk surrounding it and also on the flip side did you see a performance as to why Manchester City are after someone like Harry Kane well let's first of all start off with the goal which I thought was tremendous to be fair he took it really well and uh, you know deserved deserved to win the game with a goal like that I thought Um, as to the game itself I didn't see all of it unfortunately I didn't see the first a quarter of an hour, 20 minutes, when apparently City were playing well. So um, that's all right. That didn't upset my weekend then too much. So um, I watched <laughs> I watched the rest. Um, I thought Spurs were okay. Um, you, you know, it's all very well saying, you know, Harry Kane and the talk about Harry Kane and what have you. But uh, I don't know. I mean it worked it worked against City and I suppose you could say well if it can work against City it should better work against everybody but but I'm not so sure that they can maintain that sort of level of play um, for the rest of the season it's early days yet but um, they they played alright and I, I was pleased for Nuno because I think you know generally he comes over as being quite a pleasant sort of fellow so uh, from that point of view I thought it was good but um, I I don't know. Can they keep it up? We'll see. Thorpey, your thoughts? Well, I actually think on another day, it could have been possibly 3 or 4-1 to Man City. But at the end of the day, football is about taking your chances. And, and they weren't ruthless enough. Um, maybe somebody like Harry King would be a, a fantastic um, you know, signing for them. Because you know he would relish all those crosses, and you know it's right up his street. You know he's a he's you know he's a fantastic striker. But I have to say, you know the the Tottenham team work rate was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, defensively, it showed a edge and passion and desire to stop the other team scoring, even with like a few dodgy moments from the from Lloris uh, behind them. You know, I've got to say, it was a, the mentality I felt of the players did look different. You know, I think it also it comes down to size of squad, and I think that Tottenham's squad is not the biggest. They probably got a lot of players, but you mean in strength, it's not the biggest. You know, I think that that is going to be nowadays. I think that is going to be absolutely, you know, uh, so important. You know, uh, to get through all the games that these top clubs have to. Um, you know, and I think that, that obviously like uh, Man City will eventually find their feet and they'll come with a hard, strong run. It's all dependent on how far ahead the other teams can get. Um, you know, but also on a personal note, being a Liverpool fan, it was great to see this, you know, the strength in depth that they had on the bench and and also amazing to see Van Dijk back. Um and, and Jotters are coming back and, and actually like scoring as well. AD, did you want to come in on that? I was going to say, yeah, just to add to what I said, um, of course, it's the second defeat in a row for Manchester City, which is, which is always good to hear for a start. And the next question, of course, is what about Jack Grealish? I mean, if you'd have asked me before the season started, would you like to sign Jack Grealish? The answer would have been very much yes. But 
so far it's certainly taken him a while to uh, show what he can do. Now that could be because of the pressure of having a, a hundred million pound price tag, but um, I don't know. You know, um, he, he didn't uh, he didn't inspire me at all. Not really. I mean, you, you couldn't say that he had any sort of particular moments in the game where you could think, "Oh, yeah, that looks all right." He did 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 really well, but he didn't. So you know, I don't know. I think the jury's still out, but I, I certainly don't think. City are going to go through the season like a um, you know a whirling dervish. I really don't. I think uh, they're showing a few signs of wear at the moment. Well, I guess time will tell. But I guess the only thing from City's point of view is I think we all thought that they were gone from when they were, when we were in October last year, and then they seemed to just go on this winning run, and then they they didn't stop. So. I guess time will tell, and still time in the window as well. Rick, did you have a point, or has your has your hand gone back down? Again? No, no, my hand is perennially up. Um, with with Jack Grealish, the funny thing about it is the way the way his it's not quite working out the way he thought because he went. Everybody in the country was behind him during the Euros when he couldn't get a start, and the whole country wanted to see Jack Grealish. And he's done. Pantomime villain now, isn't he? Exactly. Now he's now he's taken the filthy oil money. And everybody wants him to fail, apart from seven or eight that turn up at the Etihad. So he's, he's gone from one extreme to the other, and nothing would be funnier than him going there and, and ending up with nothing. That would, that would make me laugh a lot, because Pep, did you see, did you see Pep last week? There's a couple of things. He's, he's going on with his argument about them never buying big, um, they only ever buy £50 million fullbacks. Now, all of a sudden, they spent £100 million on Jack. And this deal for Harry Kane looks like they're up in their bid to 150 million this week. And it just, people, it's got to the point, I think, now where he's lost the argument of saying that he was squad building. Now it is, he's playing football manager with real lives and it, it is affecting other people. And people are seeing through the, the sport washing facade that Manchester City is. And, you know, that's just a, that's just a feeling. That I've got, they'll probably turn around and win every, win everything again. But they will win the Carabao Cup. I mean, that's a lot of money, two hundred and fifty million to guarantee a Carabao Cup win, because that's the only thing that they're guaranteed of winning ever. Yeah, they do love that competition, don't they? I think that's fair to say. Thorpe, it's their level. Well, there's two things I was going to say. First and foremost, uh, Jack Greenish in the first five minutes was very close to actually getting a penalty. So I, I thought he showed enough. Um, about himself to to warrant you know uh, you know regular start so far. I I, I think that um, you always can't expect too much straight away. It, it's going to take him a while. This is a massive step from he's been at, at Villa since he's obviously like twelve years old or whatever. This is a huge step for him, and I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to uh, to settle down uh, with his new team and his new lifestyle and the new pressures that are put upon him. You know, um, so that that's that's the other thing. The, the big question I'd like to ask the group is: um, is we talk, we see about um, Barcelona not being able to afford uh, certain persons' wages because of the, the financial fair play rule. I'm wondering where uh, Paris Saint Germain fit in, in into that fair play, but also um, ask the question to the guys: is that 
you know, if, if they're gonna, if Man City are then gonna spend hundred million on on Grealish, but then also hundred and fifteen million, you know, on Harry Kane, where does that sit in the fair play of actually like their club generating that type of money to warrant spending that money and being in the fair play when they're also spending out on other 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 players as well? Rick, do you want to answer that one? Uh, as far as the, the, the fair play thing goes, um, the thing that rankles with most people is the fact that, I, well, I, I think anyway, is, is the fact that City's money is money from outside. It's oil money. It's not... They always throw up the fact that Liverpool have spent so much, Man United have spent so much. But they, and this, people can live with that a little bit more because it's money generated from within the game. Whereas the money from Chelsea, Paris Saint-Germain, Manchester City comes from outside the game. It's not being generated by the club. So it could be anybody. That could be Stockport doing what Man City are doing had Abu Dhabi decided that that's who they wanted to use as, as the public face and sport wash their country's reputation around the world. So that's, that's what causes the resentment with that. And also, City have been found guilty of it in Europe. Europe mm. But then because of their resources, they had more resources than UEFA to go to court and fight it out, which is a ridiculous situation. And Lord only knows what's happening at Paris Saint-Germain. I mean, that is absolutely incredible what they're, what they're spending as to, in comparison to what they're, what they're generating. It, it, it's clearly money that's come from outside the game. Nobody has an issue with um, <coughs> selling players and then using that money and investing it in your own club. But it's when it comes in from nowhere. That's what I think most people are um, disillusioned with because it, it, it's an unfair reflection on what that club and, their, and the place that they should be in. Thorpe, you've got your hand up there. I just want to bring in a question to you as well. Um, it might touch yeah. on your point. But do you think that when Abramovich came in in 2003, I think it was, that was the point where football was at the point of no return? Oh, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. And I'm surprised Rick and uh, Adrian have not brought Wrexham into that uh, equation as well. be interesting to see <laughs> so, where that goes, how much money is going to come in. Because Wrexham yeah. have already got a big steal, haven't they? And they wouldn't have got that without Ryan Reynolds. Exactly. So where does the fair play work there? It, it's it's oh. an interesting question. Um, yeah, Abramovich came in and all of a sudden, you know, like Chelsea springboarded into an, a most amazing run of football and and success for a short period of time and he's but I think that he's actually shown he's actually shown his his love for uh, and not just jumped in and jumped out he's stuck with it but he's also made a connection with the fans and the and the players that have been there and some of those uh, those connections are still very you know are still good friends with them like so I feel that he's turned the corner but yeah it, 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 I think you're right. I think that that was the point where, where buying a football club, if you were that rich, you know, uh, was was a good entity, and 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 all of, all of a sudden they could see the financial rewards coming in through Sky, you know, B Sky B, and 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 the the global product that 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 the Premiership is, because you know when you take when you, when you go around the world and you talk about football leagues. You know the one that's actually at the top of it all around the world 
you know, is the Premier League because of its excitement. And um, that's why I was so sad, really, when we started getting this, when FIFA obviously changed a, a five, you know, a, a, an 11-a-side game into a five-a-side contest on an 11-a-side pitch because, you know, and they've never really liked English football anyway. You know, and I think that's a, a lot of jealousy, I think, uh, as well, because we have such a fantastic global product and it doesn't just stick in the actual like uh, Premier League. It's it's evident, you know, in the championship as well, because the amount of games that those guys play to try and get into the Premier League is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you've got to have some engine to play through that season and, uh, without any breaks. But um, it, yeah, I do believe that you're right. I think it was a, a prevalent time in football history when Abramovich came in and all of a sudden they became you know, this football club became so rich that they could actually buy, in almost a way, buy their way to the title. But, you know, I don't always think that that can happen. Uh, and I'm hoping that this year Manchester City actually won't win the league and and a lot of the teams actually come up and play so well against them. Because it, their squads, I mean, you look at the way Watford played this weekend. Now, I know they can't sustain that for the full season, but they played some amazing counter-attack football. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair point. Um, Aidy, where do you sit with outside investment uh, into football clubs? Is it is one? Is it sustainable? And two, is it is it right? Well, first thing is you mentioned, or you or Thorpe, you mentioned Wrexham. I, I mean, I, I take the point, and I don't think you can compare Wrexham with um, uh, the uh, the mob that are looking after Paris Saint Germain or um, Manchester City. Quite honestly, I mean, they might be actors and they might be earning good money in Hollywood, but I don't think they're earning the sort of money that those other guys are doing. So, I don't think that's a fair comparison. As to money coming in, well, <laughs> um, I think I think one of the things that that uh, kind of annoys me a bit is that United get a lot of stick because of the Glazers and because of the money they spend. But if you look at United, United do generate one of the best um, uh, commercial deals, uh, you know, that are going. They they do they do it all themselves, and then you they they generate enough so that the Glazers can still take their millions away every season um, as well. So I don't think it's I don't think it's quite fair to compare compare United with with Paris Saint Germain or Chelsea or Manchester City. Quite honestly, I think they're slightly different. That's, that's I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was just saying where you saw investment in football generally. But... Well, if you stop interrupting okay. me, I'll finish off and tell you. <laughs> you haven't got. Apart from which, you haven't got your hand up either. So, um, so therefore, how, where do I stand? Well, quite clearly, investment in football has created a situation where you've got four teams, roughly, in the world that are, are going to be the, the leaders and the rest are going to be nowhere. Because look at... What did I read on the paper today somewhere that, that Barcelona have have lost $1.7 billion? Um, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's ludicrous. They just talk about trading outside their own means. They they should be made bankrupt. You can't lose. I mean, if, if when I've run my business, and I'm sure Thorpey's the same, if you turn around to the bank and said, I'm so sorry, guys, but we've lost 1.7 billion this year, bank would say, well, okay, well, cheerio, you're out of business. But nobody says that to Barcelona, do they? No. You know, so I mean, I, I think that's I think that's wrong. I guess what it does do, though, is it, it, it creates 
a Super League without having a Super League, if you like, because you've sort of got a Super League, haven't you? You've got the four or five teams, six teams that are, are the giants from each country. Um, you know, you've got Juventus in, in uh, Italy, you've got PSG, you've got United, you've got City, you've got, um, uh, well, who else is I've I missed one somewhere, haven't I? But, Munich, Real Madrid, Real Madrid. Yeah, 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 no, not Real Madrid. They're way out. They're way out. They're in debt up to their eyeballs. So, you know, I mean, we all got worked up about the whole idea of the Super League, but I mean, to a certain degree, we've already got a blooming Super League. It's just that they don't, they don't play in a separate league. Paul, Pete, do you want to come in on that? Well, I just think that, you know, when you talk about big clubs, you can't rule out Barcelona and Real Madrid, even though financially they are, you know, <coughs> there's taxes to the to the local people because of this of these huge football clubs that they have become, you know, and they'll always be backed. So, you know, in a way, although it's, cr- it's crude and I'd rather see money put back into the community, they have become this huge factor in those cities, you know, and they have got a global product as well. You know, um, but also just going back to the Wrexham thing, I think where Wrexham are as their level of football, you know, in their level of football, that's what I meant was, you know, the, 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 the huge investment could be the equivalent of those other clubs. Of course, they can't compete and you can't put them in, you know, in the same uh, breath as them. But actually where they are in the conference, you know, that's a huge investment and it's got the same impact as some of the bigger clubs almost the same impact but uh, only time will tell to see whether they can knit those players together and win the conference and get into the football league right rick final point because it's the opening weekend of this season and we're talking about off the field stuff too long so rick go on (laughs) it's been a great weekend of football so let's winge on about money but i just uh, (laughs) agree with thorpey that saying about Wrexham, it's all relative to the division they're in. I mean, it's a similar situation to Salford. And you see what an inje- yeah. injection of money has done with them and where they've got to. Yeah. And this, mm. You would imagine that the same thing. But with, with Wrexham, primarily, I think it, it's a profile thing. I mean, if you're anywhere in the world and you don't support one of the major clubs and you're interested in English stroke Welsh football, then the one with Deadpool involved in it <laughs> is going to be the one that's going to attract your attention. So they're going to get yeah. Worldwide, all of a sudden, they're dining at the bigger table simply because of the association with the owners. Anyway, talking about Brentford. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. You know, so they they kicked off. They kicked off the Friday night football with a 2-0 win against a very lacklustre Arsenal who, away from home again, disappointment for the travelling Arsenal fans and more struggles for Mikel Arteta. They've had a relatively quiet transfer window, you might say as well. Um, AD, I'll come to you first on this one. Um, How much trouble are Arsenal in? Well, you'd have to say, I mean, they've been pretty consistently bad for quite a while now, haven't they? Um, And, you know, they haven't done an awful lot of business. I thought this guy, Ben White, would improve their back four a little bit but um, you know when you're up against a team obviously Brentford were on a high weren't they they were you know first game adrenaline was flowing and everybody was on a high which was great but at the same time um, Arsenal were pretty poor you had to say and uh, I think I've said this before on here isn't it ironic that that uh, 
five years ago, I think it is now, um, Yeovil played Brentford in the playoffs at Wembley. And look at it now. Where are we now? <laughs> Yeovil mm. are in the National League and Brentford are in the Premiership and just beat Arsenal. So, you know, all power to them. And good, good luck to Brentford. Uh, Brentford's the first football match I ever went to see, professional football match at Brentford. And, um, yeah, you know, I've got a sort of soft spot for them a little bit. But... Uh, but as for Arsenal, I mean, you know, I'm I'm not sure that Mikel Arteta's up to it. I mean, everybody thought he was going to be great because of his association with um, with Pep and having worked with Pep. But you know, if if he's picked anything up from Pep, if he's applied it to Arsenal, it doesn't seem to be working, does it? So, I mean, whether or not you know, if he's got any money to spend, I mean, he's on about Madison he wants to buy, isn't he as well? But um, I don't know. Why would he take a step down? Why Why would James Madison move down? in standard to play for Arsenal. Exactly, and you didn't have your hand up. Um, No, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a fair fair point. It's a fair point. And they're they're definitely in a bit of a precarious situation already at the the start of the season with the fan pressure now that they're back in the stadium as well. Um, It's never an easy place to play when you've got the fans on top of you, certainly at the Emirates. Thorpe, how worried should you be if you're an Arsenal fan at the moment? But on the flip side of that as well, how great was it for Brentford, first game in the Premier League, full house, 2-0 win over the Gunners? Well, first and foremost, I'd be very worried if I was an Arsenal fan. Um, I would actually say uh, for all the people that like a little cheeky bet, you know, for, for the Arsenal manager be the first one to get the sack would be a very, very good bet because I just don't see... Their firepower, I didn't see any desire. But as regards to Brentford, listen, you can only you can only play well if you're allowed to. And I thought the setup that Thomas Frank had um, in the Brentford side, the, the 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 never well never say die attitude of the players. You know, you can have all the skill in the world, but when you're outworked and you're outplayed. Um, you know, after that second goal went in, they played some amazing football and um, and opened the the championship. You know, the Premiership, like you know, uh, uh, out with a fantastic game and just really showed Arsenal what hard work and determination and good footballing skill can actually achieve. And um, if they carry on again, small squad, that's going to be the problem. Injuries. You know, possible suspensions is going to be a, a roller coaster ride for um, uh, for them. But I see them having no trouble staying in the league. I'm more worried for like people at like Arsenal who have got so-called good players, but it, it, where's that desire? You know, do they expect that they think they should be there? We know we're not going to win the championship, but we we should be there, and that that can sometimes go against you. I, I worry for Southampton. Desperately worried for Southampton. I think that they you know they got, you know, I think they're struggling this year. And um, but for Thomas Frank, he plays some good football. He, he uh, gets his players playing with no fear, you know. And I thought defensively they they looked strong, you know. So um, fantastic for them. Fantastic to see Brentford in there because that's uh, you know it's almost like Yo will get into the Premiership, isn't it? They're an amazing. Uh, form that they've shown and uh, everybody was going who's this Thomas Frank when he first turned up and um, you know and he's really proved that he's uh, got a lot of knowledge about the game and uh, 
you know, and it's a fantastic journey that they, these fans are going to go on. So good luck. And to he next, he's, got, he's got lovely hair as well. He's got lovely hair. Lovely I'm hair. So hair. jealous. I'm so jealous. Caught <laughs> in the pet look. But the yeah. thing with Arsenal is basically, who would you take? This? They've got three decent players that I think anybody else would be interested in in buying in, in Tierney, Smith, Rowe and Saka. Beyond that, I wouldn't be interested in, in anything. And there, there was a ridiculous argument I saw before the weekend where people were actually debating who'd got the better deal. United getting Varane or Arsenal getting Ben White. And I think Ben White answered that in, in 90 minutes. Oh. <laughs> it was shocking. But as are Arsenal. And Arteta looks, a good manager, sat next to Pep. Sat on his own. I, th- I I do I totally agree. I think that struggle this year. I don't really I don't really understand where this good manager for Arteta has come from because he's never it's managed before. Isn't it? Or like you say, he only sat down next to Pep and he was his men- Pep was his mentor, and then he came to Arsenal. And because he's Spanish and got good Lego hair, everyone expects him to be this mm-hmm. amazing manager. <laughs> yeah. but, I don't think it just doesn't work that way. Okay, he did win the did he win the FA Cup in his first half a season yeah. or yeah. something like that. But then some may say there was no fans in the stadium during COVID and it doesn't count anyway. I'm not saying I'm just playing devil's advocate that some people may Are you that saying way. that the titles yeah. won with no yeah. fans in the ground don't count? <laughs> wow. Um twenty eight games with fans, so that was foul. <laughs> uh that was fine. Uh Paul Thorpe, oh, over right. to you. <laughs> I, I just think that um, sometimes people are better number twos than they are number ones. I, I, I also feel that Ryan Kidd. You're, you're, you're right there. It is the fact that, you know, you can't just turn, you know, turn it on straight away. I think, I think he would, um, he needs to go and learn his trade, you know, and that, does that mean he's got to learn his trade in the premiership or does it mean he's got to learn his trade maybe at a lesser club? Because, You've got to be allowed to make some mistakes and he's making them, but he's unfortunately making them in the premiership at a club like Arsenal. And how long are Arsenal going to actually, you know, uh, stand for that type of um, performance? They're not. You know, at the start of the season, you're excited to get back. You know, you you love the games, you know, so much that you're raring to go. You know, I couldn't wait to get to this first game of the season because all the hard work's been done in the... You know, in the pre-season when you've slogged your heart and soul into all the running and the stomachs and the core work and, you know, and the set plays and everything. And, 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 and you're just raring to go and, um, and you build up through the pre-season games and, you know, and, and, and you're left. So to see the lackluster performance that, 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 that uh, Arsenal had and the fact that Saka came on, you know, a little bit later... You know than, than than what the fans would love to see because they would love to see him out there, but also they had a young you know to see the the youngster uh, whose name uh, deludes me at the moment eludes me. Um, oh, what's what, Saka? Who came on? Sorry, Saka. No, not Saka. The young lad that started the these double barrel name is it? Oh, Smith Rowe. Smith Rowe. Smith Rowe. Sorry, Smith Rowe. Thank you for getting me out of the hole. You know, to first to see him being their player of the game worried me as well because he's a young lad with a lot of determination and a lot of. You know, I think he's a fantastic footballer, but where are where are the leaders on that park to actually stand up and be counted? You know, where are they? I, I you know, it's, you know, 
for me, you went you went hiding and you went hiding in the first game. That worried me. I, you know, for for being an Arsenal fan, I'd look at it now and think, how many games have we got to go before we get a change? You know, uh, but who's going to go and take his place? It's the other one as well. You know, I think I think uh, you know Everton have got a fantastic manager now. You know, there's people for me with more experience than him that would know what to do. You know, to get Arsenal out of this hole that they're in. You know, but the, when you look at their squad, I mean, how many players would would the Man United uh, team want out of the uh, out of the Arsenal squad? Three. Be interested in three. That's it. Beyond you know, and, yeah, and uh, you know, Ben White's going to take time to to settle into his role as well. I can think you're right off the first season for, there for him because he's going to have a torrid time back there. He's going to learn his trade big time now, especially moving moving up from from Brighton. You know, he's going to really find out what it's about. You know, and and the pressures that that. So you can write off the first season for him straight away. I think there's nothing wrong with Brighton. There's no wrong with Brighton. That was my granddad's team and. I've stood many a time watching them at their old ground and and even the Athletic Stadium. So, um, especially as Pounders turned up. Yeah, that's fine. I'm going to sort of (laughs) talk about all the big results that have come in this weekend and Man United will be included and then you can get discussion going. How condescending of you. So, joining us for the second half, better late than never, is Mr Tony Pounder. Tony, hello, mate. Good evening. How are you? Yeah, we're all good, mate. How yeah. how how's it going? Uh, enjoy your summer. Uh, I did actually. Yeah, uh, a bit, bit, bit busy to be fair. Um, been nice to get back to the football now. Started again, so we're looking forward to it all. Yeah, Three Valleys Radio is back with football bloody hell. So uh, I hope you don't have any plans on a Monday anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> but we'll get get into the kick off with the second half of the big results of the weekend then. Manchester United winning 5-1 over the Leeds. Obviously, the eye-catching well, result. Did they? They did. Did, did that one escape you? Did that yeah, one escape I, I, you? I missed that one completely. For the interest of balance, I have to say that other teams that will be competing, potentially Chelsea, 3-0 win over Palace. Uh, Norwich getting beaten on their return to the Premier League, 3-0 to Liverpool as well. Uh, Leicester winning 1-0 over Wolves. Um Tony, you've just joined us. What was your eye-catching result over the weekend? Just don't say Brentford or against Arsenal because we just covered that before you got here. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't dream of saying that. Uh, being a Man United <laughs> fan, obviously Man United. Uh, but to be fair, it's one game I've looked forward to because obviously leads a bit of rivalry there. Um, having Craig's back was fantastic. I think every game the atmosphere was superb. Um, and I think, like I say, Man United, uh, Liverpool, Chelsea—they've all hit the uh, ground running to start with, and um, sort of made people sit up and look. I don't think it will be a one-horse race this year. I think there's uh, possibly four contenders. Thorpe, what was your eye-catching result of the weekend? Or do well, I know I, the answer? I, no, I've got to say it has to be that—you um, know—it uh, has to be the Man U one. To be fair, although the Brentford one is fantastic, but. You know, the, 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 it, it looked a little bit like the old Man United, you know, that uh, Spark was, was back. And, um, you know, when you look at their squad now and what they've bought, um, and also Pogba, the way he played in the first game, you know, he, he set a standard now for his own performance. And, um, you know, 
we we like I you know being a Liverpool fan, obviously I don't want to see him play too well because obviously like or you know it'd be a nightmare. Man United win the league with these lot here, you know, on on the podcast all the time. But you have to give credit where credit's due, you know. And they played an amazing game, and um, you know, and Pogba was the uh, uh, you know right in there doing his stuff, you know. And I've got to say as well with with, with the balance with the McTominay doing. Such and Fred doing all the work, it allowed Fred. Pogba to, to actually like um to you know to actually like you know show his flair, and he did it you know in in amazing style, which was ruthless. You know his his passing ability was exceptional, and um, you know I think they've only got one to me at the moment uh, one weakness, and I think that's still in goal. You know I don't know why they've not signed a, uh, you know an, another keeper. Uh, but that could be a flaw in their armour. But uh, what a fantastic start from them. And, um, you know, I, I just hope that Liverpool can stay in contention. I think Leicester have done an amazing job. They've got a good start. They've got a fantastic manager there who's had that experience. You know, we talked about Arteta earlier on. You know, where's his experience come from? Where, like, Leicester have got a manager that's been there, seen it, won championships. He knows what it's like. You know, and he knows also knows what it's like to... to just nearly get there and, and, and fail at the final hurdle. So those experiences will put them in good stead as well. And um, But yeah, the old, the old stalwarts, Man United, again, bringing back a, a fantastic tie against Leeds United in the past and some amazing games. And um, But they, they showed a ruthlessness that um, they wouldn't have got probably a couple of years ago. And um, they've had a good pre-season and... Um, I agree with Tony. I totally agree with Tony. There is, it's not a, a foregone conclusion this year, and I do hope Man City don't win it this year, because it will just go show you can spend all the money in the world, but it's about knitting a team together, and there's some excitement out there, and there's some bigger squads this year as well. Um, it's going to be an exciting year. Rick, can you add your uh, hand in the air first? There, um, what did you make of those performances, and in particular, Man United? The hand in the air was just a reflex reaction to Tony mentioning. Like you just don't the care. No, the, the the PFA Player of the Year is going to be Fred. I don't think there's any any doubt about that whatsoever. <laughs> he's he's going to light up the Premier Premier League this season. But no, it was just nice. It was nice to see. And Ollie's already um, he's starting. You're absolutely right that it does. It feels like a Man United side again, and it, it's just nice to be able to watch United and not have. Fellaini or Mourinho or Van Howe or any of the other nonsense that's gone on previously. <laughs> it's been too long. It's been, it's been painful Fellaini. for a little while. Ah, oh. <laughs> behave yourself. Behave yourself. But say to say about having um, Leeds back on the on the on the pitch as per usual as per last season. Leeds were outstanding. Off the field, same old Leeds. You get the clips of the chance. Um, Sancho and Rashford, you let your country down. That's what Leeds fans were singing. Saka gets a standing ovation at Brentford. Yeah. And this is the way Leeds fans react. And Little City, they joined in with it as well yesterday. That's what they were singing as well. So it's, it's just football fans never miss an opportunity to let themselves down, which is a bit of a shame, really. Yeah, it's a fair point that does need to to be brought up on on these sort sorts of shows because you've got to take the rough with the smooth, and it just goes to show that there is a lot of stuff that does still need to be 
ironed out amongst the fans. Um, AD, you obviously enjoyed it from a football perspective. But I've got a question for you as well. That Rick makes a good point that it's finally good from your guys' point of view to see some attractive flowing football. But on the flip side of that, does this mean if it, it's Ollie's last chance, if for argument's sake you were to finish outside the top four? No, I don't think so Ooh. at all. I, I think... Uh... You know, the, the press, everybody's loving it. This is his last chance. He's got to win a trophy. He's done a tremendous job so far. And based on what you saw on Saturday, that just reinforced what he's done. But just don't forget, there was no Cavani. There was no Rashford. There was no Henderson. Who else was Varane. Varane. Um, You know, I mean, those are four very Phil good. Jones. Oh, Phil Jones. Oh, <laughs> Phil Jones, yeah, yeah. Well, Phil Jones. Who wouldn't give his shirt over to Varane? Um, yeah, so I, you know, I, I don't think it means the end for Ollie at all if he doesn't win something this year. If we if we put up a creditable performance in in all three of the competitions that we're in, um, even if we don't win them, um, I, I think he, you know, he's making progress. And if they don't do it this year, they'll do it next year. So, no, in answer to your question, I don't see that as being a problem at all. Opie. I just uh, a little bit of a, a add-on to that, really. I just think that um, you know we got we got two cup competitions, and then we got the Europa League and, and the Champions League as well. It, it is it is so important for a team to get that winning mentality, you know. So yeah, I agree. The, the fans want to see exciting football. They want to see an attacking football. You know, we used to hear the chance that Man United attack, 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 and. Um, you know, that seems to be evident, certainly from the first game. But I do think it is important, and it just goes it just goes to show how important, I think, that the League Cup and the FA Cup are. You know, because even if you're going to put out a slightly lesser team in one of those competitions, it still get, brings a winning mentality. And you've got to have that winning mentality. And I don't care what you say, if you get any player... That, that in football, not like just at the top level, that can pick up a trophy, right, and show it to your fans. And I've been, and I think Tony's been lucky enough to do that in their career. You know, it doesn't matter what level of football it is, it's a fantastic achievement, but it also produces a winning mentality. And I think that that is really, really prominent, even at the highest level. And um, I think it just goes to show that we have got also two amazing cup competitions where you know you can experience that excitement and that thrill of winning a cup which every single fan wants they all want to talk about it and they all crave for that that winning mentality rick final point on this uh just just a, a stat basically um to go back to what i said about it feeling like it's united again the three managers that immediately succeeded alex ferguson had 302 games in which, in all those games, United scored five goals in a single game twice in 302 games and never scored six. Since Ollie's been in charge, United have scored five goals in a match ten times and um, have hit, got past six on four occasions. So that wow. says everything about the mm. difference in mentality and what that man's doing. Spato. Spato from the Backing up in points this evening. It really is a it, new it, season. On three oh, it's, 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 it's over. It's over. We've peaked. The season's <laughs> finished. I told you that. So, <laughs> just, mo- just moving on. Just moving on because I have to to the to the 
the uh, the other um, big hitters that people will expect to do well. Uh, Chelsea. Chelsea and Liverpool getting big wins as well. Um, Pounder, I'll come to you. Are um, Chelsea and Liverpool, or one or the other, or neither, likely to be in the mix come the end of the season for you? I think they both both be in the mix. But certainly for me, I think it's a four-horde race this year. I think uh, Man City is obviously going to be up there. Uh, Liverpool, Chelsea and Man U. And I think these four clubs are starting to pull away from the rest, I think. Um, I, I can't see Arsenal being in the top six, to be honest, uh, this year. Uh, you're probably you're going to get a surprise package come out from somewhere. Uh, West Ham, he seems to be doing a good job there. Good luck to me. But yeah, I think Villa's going to... Obviously, it's a big thing this year with no Grealish. Um they're gonna, they fought well in the uh, summer, though, but obviously they've got to hit the road running a little bit. Um, but to me, the, certainly the big four are, are definitely pulling away, I think. And I think you'll see um, by Christmas, uh, those four will be clear. I honestly do does think that, there's a big gap. There's a big gap now, I think. Does anyone think that um, with Chelsea, that Lukaku might be the final piece of this, this puzzle for uh, Tuchel's team when it comes to a... Premier League team. I know that obviously um, with the Man United boys amongst us, you've had experience of Lukaku, but it certainly feels like whether, you know, time will tell whether that is the case, that it's possibly a different Lukaku that's coming back into the Premier League now. But is there possibly an argument that that is that striker that Chelsea have been looking for for the last couple of years to just sort of tie up that missing piece in their team? Uh, Thorpey? Lukaku, um, uh, with Lukaku, I think it's down to his mentality and whether he wants it or not. Um, it, 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 I think he could be really, really good for. for but I think some of the big teams will probably like uh, the defending. Let's be for this: the defending in the Premiership a damn sight better than it is in the Italian league and at other leagues as well. And I, and I, I just I see it being a good signing. I think he scores some goals. I certainly think they're up there with an opportunity. He's got a winning mentality going there, which is so important. So it's going to be really exciting. Those big games this year have got a real edge to them. Before those big games, you thought, oh, they're a bit more advanced. There's, you know, Man City are up there or whatever. This this year, it's going to be, those big games are going to have a real edge to them. And then now the fans are back and the, you know, the, the noise levels are going to be insane. Um I'm really excited for it. But yeah, Lukaku, good signing. He knows the premiership. Uh, he knows how to score goals. And he looks trimmer. And he's had a, he's had a good uh, summer, you know, by scoring goals. So when you've got do that... You, uh, that uh, sorry. Do you think all the other plans, just just question, you're saying about the final jigsaw. Uh, where I was saying, I think the big four are pulling away. I think, us, uh, sorry, Man United, Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool, have all added, uh, obviously Liverpool's got Van Dijk back, which is massive for them. I think yeah. they're all putting their final pieces of jigsaw together. And I think the squad, the whole squad, like you know why it's got to come into United, Man City, their squad. Chelsea now are building the squad. Liverpool are adding their squad. I think they're all the pieces of the jigsaw for each of those four teams, to me, are falling into place. And I think, like I say, there's going to be a massive gap now between the rest of them, for me. That's personally for me. Like I say, I think they're all just adding that little extra 
like I think Solskjaer, he reminds me of Ferguson at the moment. Every year he's adding a little bit of quality. And I think he's getting near the team that he actually yeah. wants to play. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if you've all seen his interview afterwards. And I think that's the first time I think I've seen him so upbeat. He's, he's, he's always upbeat anyway. But for, for some reason, I felt he's very close to the team and how he wants to play in the attractive Ferguson way, attacking, worst score, you score three, worst score five. And I think they've both the, all the four big teams to me are getting very close to the finishing article for me. Good point, Eddie. Coming in on that. Yeah, what I was going to say was, uh, as Tony said, he's he's adding every window, and of course, there's been a lot of talk recently that um, Haaland, uh, the fact that Ollie's signed a three-year contract, the uh, the fact that there seems to be a little bit more optimism, uh, certainly by some people, that that Pogba's going to. Um, stay and sign sign a contract ultimately and Haaland is sort of just waiting to come and join United now because of the fact that Ollie's staying for a long time so if you add that to it if we get Haaland at the next in one of the next two windows my goodness we'll have a side I can't argue with that <laughs> Thorpe um, I just wanted to go, go back to the point uh, I made about Arteta you know um, next oh, just one Labrooks uh, other betting you know, stations are also available, as we say. But Arteta is 5-2 to two on favourite to get the sack. We're behind Patrick Vieira and then Ralph Hasselhutl at 7-1. So it's 5-2, to two, Patrick Vieira 5-1 to one, and Ralph Hasselhutl at 7-1. to one. So that's, can, you uh, put, can you put your teeth back in and say that name again yeah. for me, please? Hasselhutl. <laughs> so I just even 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 the actual you know the, the betting seems saying that he's going to be the first one to go, and I just think that you know that shows uh, what even the, the uh, Labrooks betting people think of of their squad and, and their overall part of the. That was the, the, the that was the latest done. odds with Paul Thorpe. Maybe we'll have that section every week. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Uh, come on, get in the real world. <laughs> now, Mel. <laughs> How are we doing for time, Mr. Hopper? Oh, we're all right. We've got 10 minutes yet, according to this. Well, a bit less than that, but eight minutes. Okay, probably. excellent. Uh, in that case, then, I want to bring in to uh, touch on the promoted size then. So, obviously, we've looked at Brentford, um, their win over Arsenal. Um, we've spoken about... Uh, Norwich a little bit and the fact that obviously they lost to, to Liverpool but a huge win for, for Watford all the talk was about Aston Villa but um, we did sort of talk about this last week that even though Villa are buying well and buying names doesn't necessarily mean you can stick them all in a team and it's going to work and Watford were, were brilliant of what I saw of the highlights uh, on the weekend and um, how do we think that they're all going to fair is there an argument that all three could stay up or do we think that's unlikely um rick it's it's unlikely but i think all three of them really started off i mean norwich norwich have got a tough start to the season i think mean, looking at their fixtures they're going to be Man City next, i think yeah you know that it's it, the fixtures haven't been kind to them but certainly the other two teams if you get enough points in the bag early on They've got every opportunity. And there are teams like Southampton who are going to struggle. Burnley are always there and thereabouts. Who knows what's going to happen at Palace? So there could be... It's, it's just refreshing every now and then to get 
a team that sticks, that comes up and stays there for a bit, rather than it just being the same three up and the same three down. Because West Brom will probably be back up next season and Bournemouth won't be far away. And we've, we've seen them before. We're seeing the likes of Brentford come up and, and Leeds, in fairness, on the field, the way Leeds play, they bring something different, bring something new. And it just makes the Premier League more more exciting, I think. Fancy that nice Mr Ailing going and scoring a goal at Old Trafford. <laughs> yeah, you'd think you'd know better than that, wouldn't you? Yeah, didn't I mean, do him any favours. I'm going to have to have a stiff a talking goal. to him for him. Yeah, what quite the goal. goal, wasn't it? Oh. Quite goal. Ad, be honest Absolutely. with me. When you when Ad, when you saw that goal fly in, did a little part of you go, "Oh, that's Luke Ailing." I'll give him that. Um, or not? I, 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 no, it didn't. A, a little part of me said some words <laughs> that are, uh, I can't really repeat on this uh, this radio program. Otherwise, we might get banned or something. <laughs> But uh, no, that's that's my only reaction was oh dear and um, fiddlesticks yeah, yeah fiddlesticks exactly but uh, you know no Luke's Luke's alright he's a good lad so you know I don't begrudge him that because at least we put six past him last season and five today or oh, Saturday so I can live with that I can live with that <laughs> but isn't it isn't it ironic that when um, Thomas Tootle was manager of PSG. There, well, I think anyway. There appeared to be a, a kind of a. Oh, he's a bit of a, a you know a perennial loser um, because PSG had all the you know they had Neymar and they had Mbappe and yet he couldn't really get them to play a tune. Um, and but don't you think that's because he has a certain philosophy and a certain way of playing, and those particular players didn't fit into that? Well, quite... the players he's got, the players he's got at Chelsea seem more adaptable to playing a three-four-three. Which is primarily what he likes to play, rather than. They've had a lot of managers. None of them have won. None of them have won the Champions League for PSG yet. So I guess I I always thought it was a little bit harsh. I know Steve Russell when he was on here last season, he was talking about when he was at Dortmund as well, and how kind of his record was kind of no great shakes. I think is how he put it. But I've always thought there was probably a bit more of a manager there than possibly the. his end product um, suggested, certainly in terms of, of trophies. But, Thorpe, did you want to come in on that one? Well, there's a couple of things for me. One, the experiences that he's had at these these other clubs has put him in good stead. Um, you know, but all the, the other thing as well, the French League, it's not a great league. It's not a great league. And, Just and the, they, they, don't, they don't have to, like, perform at the highest level to win games. So all of a sudden, when you, I mean, t- Tony, Tony, I, ho- I hope will agree with me, is that we've all been in that situation where you think you just got to turn up, and then you get you, you can't raise that level of performance, and you end up getting beat, you know. And I think that once the big thing where uh, at Paris Saint Germain for me was that once he had these amazing players, that that that, uh, but once they came up to those really really big game level games. They just couldn't get that level of performance. They were close, but not close enough. Now all of a sudden he's come to, you know, the, the best league in the world, you know, and he's got to perform week in, week out, you know, and he sees that and he's loving this Premier League as well as a, as a you know a new manager to this this um, style of football, you know, and he's excited about it and he wants it and he's getting a good team together and he's got them motivated and his style of football's good. Um, and it, it, it's progressive. It's going forward, as you know. It doesn't pass it too much back to the keeper. But also, he's he's made some big decisions. You know, he's he's changed the keeper. You know, the keeper is now a, a fantastic keeper they've got. 
you know, and um, that's my only worry for you guys. You know, I think that, um, you know, I still think you need, I, th- I think you need another keeper. I desperately think you need another keeper. And I think that is a, a real flaw in your armoury at the moment, Mike. But uh, I may well be proved wrong. You're Man United. Yeah. Do I do. I do. I really think that, you know, he's, I think there are far, far better keepers in that league than, than De Gea. I just don't, uh, for me, I just don't think that his level of performance, you know, from where he came from and, and, and the big shout about him, I think he's let you down. I think he's let you down big, you know, and I, I commend him for staying there. But I would have, I would have left, and I think that I feel there's a flaw there. Uh, you know, I look at your team now, and it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. But the one place I think that you've got an, a problem is your is your goalkeeper. Rick, about coming Henderson, on the next. Sorry, uh, just 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 going back to Tommy Tickle and the problem at PSG is I think the problem that PSG have got. It's almost like, and I just thought of a little analogy, it's a little bit like being Anthony Joshua going into a heavyweight title fight, which is what your Champions League game is, with no sparring. Because they're not tested any other time apart from the big games. Whereas at Chelsea now, you look at Chelsea, they've got a big game every week. And then you take that into the Champions League. Whereas if you're building up to just one, one big game in a season, that's why it's difficult for PSG to actually... Get any consistent form against big clubs because they only ever play them in the Champions League. Yeah, that was it. Just, just and then you wanted to come in on Thorpey with the uh, Henderson question before I go to Aidy. Well, obviously Henderson's out injured at the moment, isn't he? I, I understand. Is that COVID. right? He's COVID, exactly. is he? Yeah, he's COVID. So I, I personally think he'd be the number one anyway uh, over De Gea. I think uh, Ollie showed that last year, but. Since Henderson's been pushing De Gea, I think De Gea's responded really well, to be honest. Um, uh, what was two, three years ago, we were saying, like, he was the number one keeper in the world. I don't think he, he did go through a bad patch, admittedly, a couple of years ago. But I think now he's being pushed, I think we're getting the best out of the, both of the keepers. Um, and I, like I say, I'm, so, I'm quite happy. Just, can can just quickly, we... We, you, no, you can't you because we've got to go in a minute, chaps. So I just, so, I just want to make one Gea, quick point. Henderson, if you were David De Gea, would you throw away three hundred and fifty grand a week, Paul? No, you wouldn't. Right. Sorry about this, lads, to cut you off short, <laughs> but we've run out of time. So thank you very much for uh, listening to the show. Uh, thanks to Tony, to Paul, to Hilda, and to Rick for joining in. Um, it's been controversial, but there you go. Uh, hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you again next week the heart is a blue shoots up through the stony ground there's no room no space you've been listening to I can't believe it. Football, bloody hell.